I still believe that the cream does rise. If you if you've got a look that's marketable, if you've got the acting to back it up, it is going to happen. It may take longer than any of us want mm. it to, but it will. And you know, and I think the people that often find themselves so frustrated, one of those elements really is missing. listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 238, I sit down for the second and final part of my interview with actor Robert Clendenin, in which we discuss how having a family changes pretty much everything. Really? No, get out. Uh, the pros and cons of of the contemporary actor being able to generate his or her, his or her own work, and several, uh, let's call them pro tip style knowledge bombs that will hopefully have you, have you feeling inspired and empowered. All that and more coming up in episode two thirty eight. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. All right, Trev. Uh, I know we have like very limited time this episode, so why don't we just dive dive right in you just came from a talk that quentin tarantino gave at ucla can you debrief us on this what was this like uh yeah so every year uh ucla hosts uh something called design showcase west which is exactly what it sounds like it's basically a bunch of graduating designers from universities all across the country mostly concentrated in southern california or the southwestern united states and uh all of these students who who um are about to graduate from these different schools uh as as design majors so costume designers set designers uh lighting designers uh get together and put on a showcase of of their work for people in the industry. And so um, Ben and I were invited uh, because we were, uh, you know, because we taught at UCLA this past year and we went and there was a, a industry l- luncheon that was served and the keynote speaker of the luncheon was Quentin Tarantino. So it was, it was really great. And I, if I had to sum it up in a single word, he really, he focused on, and the day was obviously focused on collaboration and what, what it takes to put together, um, in his case, films, right? But there was also obviously theater designer, that, theater designers there as well. 
what it takes to put together this art form is collaboration. Yeah. That was his main message. It's like uh, he got some advice um, when he was young, a young filmmaker, right before he, he went into production for Reservoir Dogs um, uh, from, a, from uh, Terry Gilliam, actually, who said, your job is to not be able, you, you, it's not your job to know how to design costumes, design sets, design those things. Your job is to have a vision and be able to communicate that vision to really talented people uh, who are going to help you, you know, see that vision into reality. So it was fantastic. Um, I don't know if um, UCLA is going to post it online or I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with the speech. But if any of you follow um, Ben or myself on social media, um, Ben was actually using Facebook Live. Yeah, Facebook I saw Live that. Video. I saw it recorded um, the whole thing almost. Yeah, yeah. So... So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's where I just came from. Yeah. It was very cool. Right on dude. Right on. Just a couple quick announcements. Um, a quick reminder, if you missed it last episode or you haven't listened to last episode yet, uh, the morning ritual course, a little mini course that I put together version 1.0 of that is live in the membership. And I'm going to be adding a bunch of other links to that thread to help people build a sort of veritable arsenal of tactics and strategies to really maximize their mornings. Since I posted that uh, video, I've just kind of been digging around the internet for other stuff. And I found a lot of great articles and videos and apps and things that I think can probably support people in installing a, a early morning ritual routine into their life as well. So if you're a member, hop into the membership thread. I'm sorry, the membership. Look for the look in the education thread for Trev's IAP morning ritual course and you'll you'll find it and, and see everything there. I like I like the use of the word arsenal. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what it is. I was thinking about it. I was like, it really is kind of like you're building up an art, like an artillery chest. Like, I'm going to annihilate my mornings. It's going to be great. Uh, we also got a... I actually didn't tell you about this, AJ, but I think this is interesting. We got uh, a response from uh, a listener who basically wanted to chime in on the conversation that, that Ben Mathis and Helena Santos had. So Helena asked about, you know, how do you pull yourself out of these these deep, dark, emotional places that sometimes as actors we we feel we need to go? Uh, and then Ben obviously responded with with some great tips on how to do that. And we had a listener write in uh, who said, you know, it's it's not it's not. I mean, that, that's method acting, uh, you know, it, it going there emotionally. And it's kind of you're kind of veering into method acting territory. And he just wanted to point out that it's not what you feel as an actor that's nearly as important as what the audience feels. And I, I wanted to bring that up because I think that's a really interesting point and distinction to make that a lot of times we can get really carried away with experiencing the emotion and going through our process and things and in an effort to sort of plumb the depths of our soul as artists. And that's really what we're after. We want to communicate the most authentic, raw human experience possible. But sometimes, I know I'm guilty of this at least, we forget that uh, it's not it's not about us. It's really not. It's about how people around us are affected and moved to change and uh, reflect upon their own choices and lives uh, in the world based on what we share together. And so I think just shifting the focus away from our experience a little bit onto what audience members take away from it is is something important, something to keep in mind. And I just wanted to drop that into the conversation because I thought that was uh, a great reminder and something that was lacking in the whole conversation uh, that we were having around that. Yeah, I, and ironically, I think Ben would completely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I know both Helena and Ben would, yeah. 
Yeah, because especially because of the work that he, you know, that he does, um, you know, it's it's all about focusing out and 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 as you like to to point out, Trevor, acting as service, right? Yeah. Like that that whole idea, um, which yeah. is beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say there's a place for both things. Like, yes, it's not about what the actor feels; it's about what the audience feels. It's about what they, you know, what they get out of it. At the same time, sometimes we explore these characters and these experiences to such a degree that we can almost go, um, you know, to a place that is so deep and intense, it ends up affecting us off stage or off camera. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, I I don't want to speak for every actor ever, but I know that I have certainly experienced that. And, um, you know, it might've been, it might've been helpful to have that little, uh, snippet, that little voicemail from Ben, uh, yeah. back, back then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this reminds me, uh, if anybody's sort of wants to dig deeper into this, I remember when we interviewed Nori Victoria and I remember her saying that she makes it a personal point to e- experience uh, a strong emotion every day, just in her life, not in her work necessarily, not on stage or in front of a camera, but she, she is in the pursuit of feeling things every day in her life. And I think that's a great um, way to frame it just to say, you know, our, our lives, the process of living and going through relationships in our lives, completely separate from acting, no matter who you are. The process of living is where we get to experience these emotions and deal with the spontaneity and what comes up for us. And then in communicating that to audiences when we're in actor mode, so to speak, not to isolate them to you know, the two things completely, but that's when we bring our, our skill set as actors and communicators to bear in, in communicating that. And it's not, a, again, it's not about um, re-experiencing some deep feeling. Again, like you said, AJ, sometimes we need to, but that might be a good interview to listen to, uh, the interview series with Nori Victoria, if you wanted to go back and um, dig into kind of how she approaches her work, which I think is, I think it vibes with this whole topic here mm. pretty, pretty nicely. Yeah. And I, I know we don't tend to get too deep into you know uh, craft land if you will but um, you know uh, taking that one step further uh, I know one of the things that Larry Moss the this famous acting teacher uh, says is it's possible to do just that even if you're not experiencing it in your life by using your imagination because as 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 actors and as artists we that's what we rely on to bring characters to life to bring stories to life we have to imagine you know behave in in realistic and authentic ways in imaginary circumstances and so he has coached people and he himself has done you know work where he will literally imagine scenarios that will allow him to experience certain emotions because yeah. uh it it sort of works out that muscle yeah yeah uh, for further reading on this, uh, Larry Moss's book, uh, yes, Larry Moss, The Intent to Live, mm-hmm. yep. great book. It, you know, actually, what strikes me is he recommends all his actors read fiction as a way to exercise their imagination. And I love yeah. that excuse yep. to get lost in a novel. Fantastic. Uh, so that's great reading. And also Secrets of Screen Acting is a great uh, book to, to plug into. Um, the author's name is escaping me at the moment, but we'll have the link on our website. And as, as it just so happens, David H. Lawrence 17 voiced that book uh, on Audible as well. So you can do the audiobook version or you can read the print version. But those are, those are both great uh, resources to dig into if you're interested in, like I said, you know, go deep, diving further into technique land, which which we don't do for various reasons on this show. <laughs> um, quick, quick, quick plug. It's coming up on Sunday, June 26th. I'm teaching my next VO to go-go class. If you'd like to learn how to manage clients and projects effectively, uh, voice, documentary, and narration gigs, as well as, and this is my favorite, 
jump into the wild and fun world of voicing uh, animation and video games, come join me. Sunday, June 26, 5 p.m. in Hollywood. Go to vodogogo.com slash Hollywood to learn more about these uh, th- this class coming up on the 26th and to sign up. I hope to see you there. I feel like it's a big chunk to bite off. Like, that's so much stuff going on. I was looking at the all of the different things you're going to cover. I'm like, wow, that, that seems like so much. I feel like you could do an entire you know, several week series on just animation or just video games. And then there's all this other stuff. So that, that's probably a, a great, um, either a great jumping off point or a great, uh, diving into the deep end point. Well, what's cool, the way these classes are structured, they're so brilliantly put together. Uh, David is a very smart guy, and he understands how people learn, the different modalities for for learning, and uh, he packs them all into these great modules, and there's a lot of overlap. Like, you wouldn't think there'd be major overlap between how to manage clients and projects, right down to, like, the file structure that you use on your computer, the folder hierarchy. You know, you wouldn't think that would have much overlap with voicing animation in video games, but... As uh, these classes demonstrate, there is a lot of overlap. And so actually I find when I teach these, I, you know, myself and the students in the class, we always kind of make these interesting connections. We're like, oh, I, I kind of see how it's this big puzzle and it, it fits together beautifully. And, and David set it up in such a way that each one of these um, kind of topics uh, kind of fits very nicely with, with the other each month. So, yeah, come check it out. So uh, quickly, quickly, also quickly. Uh, you had a meeting with the manager of casting at CBS Studios. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. I would, I would actually love to to dive in deeper to this because it's a, it's not only a really cool story, but the conversation itself was really awesome. But I just put that in there because it was my sort of big piece of news, if you will, from the week. Um, but yeah, I had a, a meeting with the manager of casting at CBS Studios, not to be confused with CBS the network, um, and it was. It was it was awesome. I mean, put it this way, it lasted an hour. Oh. Um, and, you know, uh, we just got through talking about, you know, because of the casting director workshops, we just got through talking about how generals don't happen quite as much uh, as they used to. But at these bigger studios and networks, they kind of they're not as directly involved with casting. So it's it's more um, it happens more often. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I just loved having this conversation with her, and she was like, she was like, yeah, I, um, you know, uh, not only do I do these generals, but you know, I try to get out to uh, at least, she said, at least two shows a week. She goes, wow. to see, it goes to see theater, and then I was like, I said the same thing. I said, wow, and she said, and she said, well, uh, it, you know, if you're a casting director, it's your job to meet actors. <laughs> so it felt very much like it was, you know, it's like, oh, hi, Billy DeMota would be, you know, just singing your praises right now. Yeah, so yeah. very fascinating. So um, but, you know, also like a very different experience from some of the smaller, smaller, some of the sort of independent, you know, casting offices out there. Uh, obviously, this is a different animal, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it was just it was, it was it was really cool. And a reminder that, you know, they are just like Sheila Guthrie said, they are all their own small business. And you've got to just figure out, you know, what um, you get. You've got to figure out what the small business uh, likes, mm-hmm. you know, how, yeah. to, how you best relate to them. So anyway, more on the conversation itself, perhaps on a, on a future episode, but, um, that was my big piece of news this week. That's awesome, man. Sweet. Congrats. Those are like kind of rare these days. Yes. Very rare these days. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah. congrats on scoring that. That's that's great. Thanks, man. And yeah, I, I love that it's just like the way you're describing it, at least me listening to you right now, my experiences of it, it's just like, yeah, I'm just getting to know another human being. Like there was no like there were you know, you didn't bring a box of cupcakes and you didn't like, you know, do anything like crazy and effusively like sing their praises. You were just like, Hey, you know, like tell me tell me about your life and your career and what you're interested in and I'll do the same and we'll just kinda get familiar with each other's work and see if there's a potential for some future collaboration. All right. Well, we have a quick uh, voicemail slash video comment from uh, David H. Lawrence, the 17th, who um, I'm so flattered. He listened to the podcast. He called me earlier today and left me this wonderfully complimentary voicemail uh, about the podcast in general. Um, I won't go into it, but it was just nice to get that kind of sort of praise from somebody who, uh, you know, I look up to who I learn a lot from, who's, who's kind of a mentor figure to me, who, who also sponsors this podcast, the creator of Rehearsal Pro, the creator of the Vio to Go Go uh, series. It was just nice. And he was listening to the most recent episode and he wanted to chime in with a comment about uh, the casting sites and specifically uh, not only the different sites, but but what to put in that little comment box and kind of how it works. I, this was unknown to me. So let's go ahead and roll this voicemail here. Number one, I'm, I'm listening to your podcast about the casting sites. I've never heard of the People's Network ever, so I'm going to have to go investigate that. I, I had no idea they even existed. Um, breakdown Services and everybody else, that's what it is. An actor's access is Breakdown Services. So for, for you know, network stuff, absolutely. Um, what to put in the little box? The casting director only sees the first 30 characters of that box when they come up on Breakdown Services. Uh, so what I would do, Trevor, instead of saying, you know, hey, I appreciate you having me in for this audition, uh, you know, by the way, I, you know, and then talk about the swimming, I would start with, I swim competitively, all four strokes, have swum uh, on teams across the country, put the good stuff up front. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is, uh, please do something uh, on how awful these other sites are, like Explore Talent and Talent Hunter, which are the hugest scams ever, right? And then uh, finally, iActor. iActor isn't succeeding because there are no projects on iActor. You know, I'm a big union guy, and I, I just think that iActor is silly. They should either scrap it or change it, but no casting director is going to use that site because they can't ask for uh, home tapes. They can't bring people in for auditions. Anyway, that's it. It's David H. Lawrence, the 17th. Thanks, buddy. So like you, Trev, I didn't know, you know, a couple of these things either. Uh, it's funny because when when you said the People's Network in the last episode, I hadn't heard of that either. And I was like, oh, I should probably. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I should. I, let me just interrupt you for one second. I should clarify uh, the People's Network, people like apostrophe S, multiple peoples, uh, is actually something different than the People Network. If you look for the People's Network, it's like a self-improvement development company. And the People Network is the Casty website. So I, I misspoke in the last episode, although the link on the website is correct. Even so, plural with an apostrophe, without an apostrophe, singular. I just <laughs> I never heard. Um, and then also uh, had no idea, as I'm sure you didn't either, about that first. What do you say? First thirty characters. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's all they worse, see. That's worse than Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> thirty characters so is nothing. I know words that are longer than thirty characters. You know. I know words. Hey, my name is Trevor. I know words. <laughs> Not to be grandiloquent. Whoa. You know what that Whoa. word means? <laughs> I yeah. Thanks, Trev. 
Thanks. Was that? Is that? Are you like? I feel like you're like peacocking right now. No, I am. But you, like the word grandiloquent means using big words to sound impressive. <laughs> one of my favorites. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, but just I, it, it's just kind of fun. Like you, you know, just super quick. Like get in, get out. I mean, that was like what less than ninety seconds, and he was just like breaking down. You know, this, these these different things. He he also said, you know, it's it's breakdown services and everything else. I feel like when I was going out for commercials a lot, it was a lot of LA casting. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's—I don't know—maybe it's not the case anymore. I don't know. I'm not—I—I I, I have released commercials energetically, so I'm not the guy to ask. Before we jump into part two of AJ's chat with Robert Clendenin, uh, just wanted to remind you guys that uh, this episode of Inside Acting is also brought to you by Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, which I know we keep saying it, but it's literally like right around the corner. It has been submitted to the App Store. The the final build is, is now uh, in the approval process with Apple, so it should be available literally any day now. And if you're unfamiliar with this app, it is an essential app for actors. It's in use by a lot of celebrities all over the industry. They use it to learn their lines, and pretty soon with Rehearsal Pro, they'll be able to use it to do a lot more than just learn lines. Uh, And if you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book for your auditions, if you want to explore your character and make stronger choices, and uh, like I just said, do a whole lot more, you can go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about it. One more time, that's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. And without further ado, part two of AJ's chat with Robert Clendenin. Enjoy this, and we'll catch you on the other side. And I wanted to ask about was like what that journey has been like for you in in you know just having a family as an actor as a right. and, and yeah. even as a character actor you know it's like you're not the chicken right it's like how does the cumin pay for the sure. for the family that's a great know? question yeah um, I used to listen to this guy uh, Dennis Prager uh, on the radio a lot he's fairly conservative but he was a radio talk show he made the statement one time and. I think I believe it now that there's the, one of the greatest dividers between people isn't necessarily color or or sex. It's not male, female. It's not white, black. It's parent, non-parent in terms of how <laughs> you view the world, in terms of how you approach your own life and how you kind of view the the, the, the world around you. And when I had kids, suddenly it kind of made a lot more sense. Like you're suddenly looking at everything you see through the eyes of somebody who's completely helpless and completely innocent and at your, you know, they're relying entirely on you for their survival and their and their well-being. Um, and so, you know, as an actor, it's one thing to be by yourself and be sleeping on people's couches and, you know, s- scrapping around for food and the stuff that we all do when you've got kids and a wife and 
They've got bills and school stuff that they need. It's like the pressure gets considerably higher. Uh, the stakes get higher. And that's one thing that's definitely been weighing on me um, to deliver, you know, not going out, going without work for three months is a lot more um, <laughs> demoralizing now with a family than it yeah. ever was as a, as a single person. Yeah. Um, you can float in and out of other jobs. If it didn't work out, you pick something else up. And that's what we all do because we're artists. And But when those guys are relying on you, it really does raise the stakes. Now, on the other side, in terms of benefits, though, I tend to think that you, your work as an artist can very often become much more informed when you've got this extra layer of seeing the world through a parent's eyes. Like, I think I became a more thoughtful and deeper artist when... I was looking at stuff as a parent and as a father, and um, I just think I became more of an I'm a far more interesting person than I ever was. I, I know I'm kind of embarrassed, like how selfish I was, but everybody is, I guess you know. But when I was in my twenties and just getting high all the time and and, <laughs> and being a jerk, it's like I then. I guess that's a phase we all need to go through. But it, part of me goes, "Oh wow, I'm glad I got through that, and now I'm." I feel like a lot of my life is a little bit more rewarded because of this family that I have. You yeah. Know? How, how old is your oldest? Like how long? Thirteen. Thirteen. I got a thirteen-year-old and a ten-year-old. Okay. Yeah, and they're great, and they're a pain in the ass, and you know, I love, I love them. <laughs> it's everything they're supposed to be, right? right yeah. Um, and you know, and as you age, you part of you laments like all the horrible things about aging, but at the same time, I'm like, do I want to be? Would I want to be 24 again? I wouldn't mind looking. I wouldn't mind having skin like that again. But I don't know if I want to be that that person again. I think there's, you know, you when you when you've tasted all these riches that come in your 40s, and now I'm like, I just turned crested 50. You know, I was yeah. like, oh, wow, I don't know if I want to give that away. I don't know if I'd want to be back yeah. in the club scene at three in the morning. <laughs> <clears throat> Although it was good, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really good. It's a tough, yeah, no, it's a tough call. Um, yeah, I heard something. There's something actually. I've been. It's something I've been meaning to talk about on the podcast for a while. Now, I read something a couple of weeks ago. This woman was telling this story about how she was sort of um, not accosted, but definitely pitched hard to buy this guy in the, like a, a shop in an airport, and he was selling like anti-aging cream or something. Right. Like this will help with your wrinkles, and this will help with this. And she was. Not being a, uh, not being mean about it, but but uh, uh, she decided that she was going to just confront it, and she was like, well, "Does does it? Am I not beautiful?" Like, <laughs> and this poor yeah. guy, who that's I his know. job, right? Yeah, to just sell whatever he was selling. And he had the speech, <clears throat> yeah. and he was he was uh, he was like, uh, uh, "No, but this will help." And all, and she's like, "Well, what what what, are, what is it that you're trying to say?" And and she wasn't confronting him, but rather the the. The emphasis that we place on youth and, and beauty and yeah, stuff in this yeah. in this culture, let alone this industry. Oh my god! And the thing that has stuck with me ever since is she said, you know, age. She, she said to him, age is a privilege that is afforded so few in this world. And I was like, damn, mic drop! Wow, no kidding. It's because so, it's so true. Like, think about all the people who don't make who don't make it to fifty, who don't That's get great. to have kids, it's who great. don't get to That's get great. married. You know, um, there's a, the the corollary to that, and I'm going to screw it up, but I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said, "Youth is wasted on the young." Yeah, youth. Yeah, I think. Right? Yeah, I think, right, I think it was Mark Twain. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. That's brilliant, though. And you and you think about well, you know, those laugh lines that are on your face, they. They represent something. Yeah. You know, you that's like those. a, or, uh, 
God, there's just this beautiful story I just read about this huge um, African lion. I think they called it. I think his name was Scarface, and he got, and he was just shot by killed by a hunter. That, oh, but they had a picture of him, and this and this guy was kind of this dude was sort of a mess. But it was because he had been the alpha lion for two decades. You know, it's like the, every scar that he had on his face, like he earned, and it means that he. Took care you know, of his pride. Took care of something. Took care of some kind of business. <clears throat> yeah. And it's like, wow, that's a face. And I, I mean, my wife's a photographer and I love, and she's just in love with these. You look at these, um, you know, like those old Dorothea Lang um, pictures from the Depression. Mm-hmm. Those faces that have so much mileage on them, you go, that's a fucking face. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's exciting, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know beauty is, beauty is beauty and I wouldn't want to not look at it, but there's something about those. Every wrinkle yeah. and scar and yeah, well, it's the I think it's the you know it's the human condition that we're attracted to when we see those types of photos. Yeah. It's like something hits us because there's a part of us in that photograph. I totally yeah. agree. Uh, before we move on from the, the the family thing, I have to know your wife before after you started playing roles like Scrubs. Oh. I mean, how does she put up with? <laughs> The crazy, sometimes like sexually deviant yeah. things that you, ca- your characters end up saying on screen. She, was, did she <laughs> did she not know? Did you keep her from the television for years at a time? She knew what she was getting into. She, um, <laughs> and uh, You're like she's responsible. She's just as responsible. I I really I married uh, I married way up. Like I married so far up. It's crazy. People are like Aaron, what were you thinking? And. Um, <laughs> But you know what? She was also the good thing is she was, it was this. We were both in our late thirties, so that's when you strike. The pickings are getting slimmer and slimmer, and suddenly oh, I'm, I'm I start to look appealing. Uh, no, she knew what she was getting into, and she loves it. But every day she does occasionally say, "God, I wish you would. Can you just play somebody normal? Is it somebody normal?" She just wishes I would. You know, just. For her friend, for the she sake knows of it's not up to you. I mean, yeah, it's not. She knows, but I think for the sake of her and her, her, you know, the other school moms and stuff. And you're right. It's like, oh god, here he is. It's another sexually deviant basement dweller <laughs> with a CPR dummy in his closet that he doesn't explain. You know, it's like one of those. But no, she's proud of me. But uh, yeah, she was. She she loves it when I play. Like I just did. I just did. Uh, a friend asked me to do a little web series that she was putting together, and I play a perfectly normal dad, husband. Um, nothing, nothing going on. Is just straight down the middle, and uh, and she was delighted. She was like thrilled. I was like good, good Yay. for you. <laughs> uh, normal, normal That's for funny. once, for a change. Since you've had this unique view of the industry and for so long, we tend to ask um, some of the very seasoned actors that we've had on the show these questions, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your perspective on them as well. Just the differences in terms of what you've seen yeah. from the time that you, you, know, you got to L.A. to now. I mean, there, you know. Social media. Oh, uh, yeah. You were probably submitting VHS tapes occasionally, um, dropping white. off black and white headshots to. Well, know, I was just place. thinking in the car over here, like how. Uh, I mean, the big innovation when I first got here was pagers. Like pagers, came, oh yeah, pagers came on the scene, and people were like, "Oh, this is a game changer," and uh, and then, or I don't know if it was before or after pagers, but you get because. 
some of your your listeners may remember the old day you would seven o'clock you'd go to your agents and pick up your the manila envelope that had your name on it that included your sides for tomorrow's audition you know like that's where you got them so and you would and everybody knows this you would kind of sneak peeks in other people's envelopes to see how many auditions they got or if their <laughs> sides were longer or who else was reading your role and stuff so there's this whole game that we'd play and then the uh when fax machines came onto the scene you'd go to kinkos to pick up your oh sides that got faxed there and here's the this is the, this is the <laughs> kicker you had to pay a dollar a page so you have some you, they'd be like, okay, there's 12 pages of sides. You go, oh, $12. And then you get there and you realize seven of those pages are FYI. You know, it's like oh. background information. You're like, God damn it. I just spent seven bucks that I don't have. For, right, for, <laughs> for dialogue I'm not going to Kinko's speak. for dialogue that's not going to – I'm probably barely going to read. Oh, man. But those, that was that was the way it worked, you know. And it then wasn't an email. There was no email. No, no, no. That was – yeah, that was still a couple years away. Um, yeah, and you're right. The messenger services with the with the pictures, everything yeah. black and white. Um, there are even also also those. I never had these, but those terrible composite photos. Do you remember those where like people oh, like would do the, like what do they call them the Z sheets? Or yeah, something? like a Z card, and you have card. like um, <clears throat> you know you'd have the one picture that had you in a tennis outfit next to the picture where you're exactly your facial expression is exactly the same your body language is the same but you're wearing a business suit it was like never made any sense it's like this guy owns a suit and a racket i guess (laughs) we should hire him he plays racquetball and could be an american psycho sure Uh, that seems versatile um I will say the big thing that's a huge difference now that I think is advantageous is that you now have opportunities as an artist to to not only uh, capture your work but then also to have a, a you know um, a vehicle to at least put it out there. You, you can't guarantee eyeballs, but you can shoot stuff for virtually nothing now, yeah. um, and you can worst comes you can just stick it on YouTube. So there's a place that people can go find it. Um, after you shot it, that never existed. So you were always looking at either doing plays or um, maybe festivals that were starting to crop up. But still, you had no nowhere near the reach you now have for at least allowing people to see what you do and and how you do it. Yeah, I don't want to be too much of the guy like when well, I'm my day, you know? <laughs> and that's what you always end up doing is yeah. going. It was always good in the old days, you know. It wasn't yeah. there was shitty stuff back then. Yeah, there's shitty stuff now, and in 20 years we're going to be looking back in the at the at the tens and going, man, it was man. a different world back then. Fucking Twitter, man. But, oh, yeah, killed it, right? <laughs> um, Blew you know, everything up. We didn't have. Um, Casting workshops like they they were just starting to crop up when I came out. That's actually a great point. We just uh, I don't know if you saw on the website we just did a whole and are still uh, as of this recording doing a, a series. Of, oh, are you? Uh, because of the Hollywood Reporter article yeah, and yeah, sure. with Scott David and everything, we're doing like a yeah, anti and pro workshop. You know, just to be part of the conversation, do, do a bit of our journalistic due diligence. Good. What's your What's your take on that? If I you mean, don't mind me asking, I was I was fortunate. I think that I never, I never, I've never done one. Mm. Never set foot in one. Um, and I I've asked myself because of this conversation, if I were to be a new actor now, would my would would I would it be change? Would, would it do? be something I'd have to yeah. do? And I think for a lot of people, even though they find them kind of loathsome on principle. There, at least until this recent, most recent kind of revelation where things seem to be turning, 
there that was seemed like a viable thing. I'm, if I can spend forty bucks and at least get this co-star, then maybe it is worth it. Yeah. Personally, I think it's kind of abhorrent. I I don't like. I don't like the fact that they're trying to tweak what they are by saying, well, it's instructional. I don't think there's anything that an actor who's been through a grad program and done a ton of place is going to learn from a 25-year-old assistant. Mm -hmm. That's not instructional. If you want to learn, there's nothing they can do to make you a better actor. So it is clearly selling access. Right. Um, Now, they're struggling just like we are, and they're, um, you know, trying to pay their bills, and I appreciate that it's very tough for people in all aspects of the industry. I just hate that it falls back on the actor. Yeah. You know, these, these poor people, these guys are barely living hand to mouth. Um, and if those workshops are precluding people from going to the theater or watching demo tapes or having generals, then I think that's really <coughs> unfortunate. And I think okay. that was happening for a lot of offices. Yeah. You know, I, I just, uh, on principle, I don't, I don't like them. I, but if I'm really being honest with myself, if I was starting out now, would I just suck it up and do it? I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah. It's really it's frustrating because, you know, it used to be in the old days, you'd do, you'd do a great play, you'd get some good reviews, and then pretty soon you find a bunch of CDs are in the, in the audience or a couple yeah. agents, you know, because yeah, they're looking, they're always looking, really and it's not happening. But I also think that the statistics don't really support the idea that um, new talent's being found in workshops. I mean, you look at a lot of the workshops – and the success rate of the people who are attending workshops isn't necessarily any higher from than the people who aren't attending, right? Yeah, no. So you've just got a lot of shitty people handing over money because they, they think it's their last, you know, their last chance. <clears throat> yeah. I was on um, one of the Facebook pages and a guy who's fairly new, clearly, I mean, I looked him up because I, uh, and it only, he's only really been working a lot like in the last three, three or four years. He'd put up his newly kind of, redone demo reel this is a guy and it was one of the best ones i've seen i mean it was just fantastic because it was so specific in terms of who this guy is he had a really interesting look to begin with he was a terrific actor and he'd and he'd assembled four or five different shows in the last two years that really really highlighted who he was and what he does well and it's a great reel i guarantee you that this guy I looked up who was right now his agents you know pretty low lower end not bad but not you know, brilliant. I guarantee within another two years, he will have gone up the the ladder, will be working steadily and, you know, be on track to make this a full-time thing. And I think that I still believe that the cream does rise. If, you, if you've got a look that's marketable, if you've got the acting to back it up, it is going to happen. It may take longer than any of us want mm. it to, but it will. And you know, and I think the people that often find themselves so frustrated, one of those elements really is missing. There either is just not a real specific physical look that, that CDs can attach themselves to, or there's not the, the acting talent to back it up, or you've got some kind of personal, you know, you don't play well with others. You know, there's other people <laughs> yeah. who have sabotaged their careers because they're just not good at yeah. Playing the games you kind of have to play. Yeah. yeah it we, doesn't make it any less frustrating, but it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I still yeah. am fairly hopeful, especially with when young actors are asking for advice, of saying, if you if all those things are lined up, it, can ha- it will happen for you or it can happen for you. Yeah. What becomes problematic is when it doesn't, you have to start addressing, well, why isn't? Not, yeah. Instead of just railing at the sky about it being an unfair industry. Right. Yeah. Well, and that comes back to something that we've talked about 
especially recently with the workshop debate, uh, just the, the, the idea of running this like it's a business. And, and if your business isn't making progress or making profit or whatever, then, then as a business owner, you, you figure out why that is and you, and you work to fill those gaps. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you talked about the sort of interpersonal savvy too. That's another thing we talk about a lot on the podcast, just like being a cool, generous person, like somebody that people want to get along with. I mean, you know, I, um, I used to get, you know, early on, I would get sort of, um, discouraged by how you'd see some people always working with the same people. Right. You know, oh, he's, he's just hiring his friends. And that used to tick me off because it's like, well, how about what about the new people? What about the new guys finding the new people? And now I get it more like it's still frustrating. But if you are if you see if you want look at it from a producer level or from a, a, a creator level, you don't want the wild card. It's just sometimes the wild card means more work than you're prepared for. People can audition great, and then they turn out to be psychos on set. Yeah. You don't know that. Yeah. You worked with this guy two films ago. You know that he shows up on time. You know that he does his work. It doesn't get drunk. He doesn't like mouth off. He doesn't squeeze people. He does. You know, like he he will do it solid. That won't be a headache. I'll hire him. It's not a consolation to those people who can't get into the inner circle, but it does explain why yeah. that circle is really, really tight sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Trevor says all the time that people want to work with their friends, you know, yeah. plain and simple. That's not exclusive to the entertainment industry. You know? Every like, industry, yeah. Industry. You want to hire you people, hire who you, people you like. And it's and not just, like yeah, it's, it's like, and it's, but it's not doing, I think the mistake is thinking, well, they're doing favors because that, that's a, that does it's exist. Nepotism. It's nepotism. It's just favoritism. It's not. It's more, I think it's more of a confidence that I'm not going to have a headache. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. A day on a set, like with all the people who are working and all the equipment that's been hired and everything like that is yeah. ex- an expensive prospect. Absolutely. And one person <laughs> being a screw up can cost them, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And if you only had six lines to begin with, that really wasn't a good return on your Not a terrible ROI. <clears throat> um, I feel like uh, we could chat and, and uh, wax philosophical forever. But we are running out of time. Yes, this has been um, great though. I'm having a blast. Um, there are two questions that we always end every uh, interview with. Um, it's kind of like, this is the Proust uh, thing? Or? Yeah, no, kind of. It's uh, uh, yeah, it's like okay. what's your favorite curse word? Um, right. No, uh, it's it, yes, but it's specific to um, to inside acting. Uh, the first one is: um, Do you feel like this industry or, or this path or this artistry chose you, or you chose it? Personally, I feel I chose it, um, and I think I could unchoose it. If we, this is going to get a little deeper than probably like I could, I am very jealous of people who say I couldn't live without acting because I could like I could, I could walk, I could, I would miss it, but there's a lot of other stuff that I love doing. Um, and I don't feel I'm really selling myself out here. I really feel like it wasn't, it's not a calling for me. Like I love doing, I really genuinely love doing it and I think I'm good at it, but when I hear people go, if I didn't have this, I would die inside. I go, that's not that's not me. <laughs> now maybe it's just the LA thing, like because it's such a business here, and I'm I'm kind of got a little bit whether well, cynical or just kind of scar tissued up. But um, I think I yeah I think I chose it. I'm really happy I chose it. 
times I hate it, but like, yeah, I think this was me choosing it, not it choosing me. Wow. I, no is that the first, am I the first to say that? <clears throat> I think so. I mean, yeah. you're certainly not the first person to say you chose it, but you're, you're definitely, I don't think anyone's ever said like, I could not, I could unchoose it or I could, I could do something else and I would miss it, but it's not like, I don't think any, like, yeah, yeah that's a first. I feel very, I feel, I, you know, now I'm probably going to hate myself in the car ride home because I'm going to feel very shallow for saying that, but if I'm being really, really honest, like I don't like. I don't think I, it's shallow. I think it's. I think it's more. I think it's more shallow if you say the opposite and you're actually being disingenuous to yourself and others, like or, yeah. or to the, the the grand you know universe. The right, scheme right, of things. Like right. if you're saying like, oh, I couldn't live without it. I couldn't do anything else besides you know being an actor. And you're not. You don't actually mean that. Right. That's that's. That's being that's shallow. That's 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 somebody who's putting on here's a like face. yeah, like I love like the relationship I have with you know my friends, my and particularly my my boys and the sense of humor that we share. If I couldn't like, I would die if I could not engage in banter in 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 doing characters or playing or 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 just. Coming up with the, being being funny with my kids, I think that would kill me. Like that, I could not live without. Putting you know on I mean? hats. Putting on hats, right? Yeah. So, like, I could I could be okay not doing TV shows, but I would still be finding something with my friends and my family where we are finding humor in every situation, and like that's that's what gives that's that's what feeds my soul. Storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it is. So I guess maybe there is a certain element of a calling, but the industry part I could live with that. Totally. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, totally. There it is. There We've we arrived. Boom. Um, awesome. Uh, and then the second question is, if you could take everything you've learned over the 20 plus years of, of experience that you have had with the industry, with either the craft side, the industry side, if you could take all this wisdom and experience and, and boil it down to one nugget of advice... What's the thing, your sort of like, you know, legacy right. wisdom? What's my you, t-shirt? Um, yeah, your t-shirt. It would be BU. I've, I've, there have been periods where I've gone, I guess, so frustrated with feeling that I'm too, I wish I was less unattractive. I wish I was, I, my voice sounded better. I wish that, you know, I wish that I, things that, that aren't me and saying, well, I, I wish, if only I, I could fix that. And I think that, when I do my best work and when my career goes is at its best is when I am super comfortable with who I am and with who, what makes me different from everybody else. Um, and I don't think that that's something that is instinctual for a lot of actors. I think that we always think, oh, I want to be more like that guy or look more like her. And if I got, only got plastic surgery or if I only lost five pounds or gained 10 pounds or whatever, then it would be all be good. I think you need to embrace exactly what, where you are, when you're there, and go. This is it, and they're going to take it or leave it. But if, but if I'm not thrilled with it right now, then it's not going to translate to whoever I'm playing or whatever, whatever I'm doing. So I think embrace, embrace yourself. You can get better. You can be trying to improve yourself and whatever. But like, in every moment, you need to embrace who you are when you're there. That's beautiful. All right. I, that's what I would do. We talk about authenticity a lot on the podcast and 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 embracing who we are. But 
Right on. AJ, this was a huge wow. pleasure, man. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, it was a yeah. lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, if you want to find out more about you, uh, I do have a website. I have a website. RobertClendenon.com. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Bob Clendenon. I don't participate a lot in it, but usually there's a gem every once every week, twice a week. <laughs> um, yeah, and I have a Facebook page and. All right, cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll put we'll put that link those, cool. those links on our website I'd love it. too. So, anyway, right, man. thank you so much. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. You know, I just watched Contact the other day, and Matthew McConaughey's in that, and he's so, so good. He's so, so good. And he's so Matthew McConaughey. I love it. We'll have him on the podcast someday soon. <laughs> oh, I thought we just did. Didn't we there with you right now? <laughs> yeah, that was. Thanks, Matt. Matt, we, we call it, we're on a tight first name basis. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, all right. Anyway. Yeah, shorter, shorter version of his name, too. Tell me about your pick of the week that you're stealing. It doesn't say anything here in the outline. I'm, I'm stealing. Well, it's right below, actually, um, oh. because I it, it is a listener pick of the week that I am stealing as my own pick of the week. But I am absolutely going to give credit to longtime listener Tara Patterson for sending in a link um, that she was suggesting as a listener pick. But um, before we got a chance to sort of get to it in the rotation, I happened to check it out. Um, uh, click on it, watch it, and send it immediately to Jasmine, and it completely changed our lives. So I think I may have a while ago selected Super Soul Sunday or Super Soul TV as a pick of the week, because I remember talking about it on the podcast, but Super Soul TV is, is basically Oprah's like online and on her network, actually, um, <clears throat> show that is, uh, she does this thing called Super Soul Sunday, where she invites all these um, amazing people to be um, on this show and she talks about everything. She talks about spirituality, she talks about passion, she talks about life, she talks about uh, work, she talks about art, she talks about meditation. It's, it's, it's really amazing. And she recently did this thing at UCLA, actually, of all, of all things, um, in Royce Hall, the big, big uh, concert venue there, <clears throat> and Brene Brown and Deepak Chopra and Elizabeth Gilbert and all these other people you've never heard of were all there. Uh, giving talks and Tara sent us the specifically this one that was given by Elizabeth Gilbert and it not only blew my mind but I sent it on to Jasmine I said you must watch this immediately this is the this is the one I'm sorry to interrupt you this is the one about finding your passion like what do you do if you don't if you feel like you haven't found your passion is that yes yes yeah that's good stuff um, so I watched it. I, I sent it on to Jasmine and basically it has changed both of our lives. So thank you, Tara and everyone else. You need to go and watch this right now because it is so supportive. Even if you discover, even if what you discover from the video is that you are in fact a jackhammer and not a hummingbird. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I happen to be a jackhammer. Jasmine happens to be a hummingbird. Go watch it. You'll understand what I mean by that distinction. And it it, it was it was life changing. Mm. It is like it changed both of our lives. Uh, it is going to support us in our relationship. And I think that a lot of people are going to be able to identify with the um, the sentiments of this of this talk. So yeah. um, highly recommended. Thank you, Tara, for sending it in. So it's a sort of a combo pick of the week for me. 
as well as a listener pick from Tara Patterson. Uh, tip of the hat, tip of the old hat there. <laughs> and it's like it's like what a twenty-five minute-ish video. This one's right? yeah. This one's about twenty-six minutes. It's similar to like a TED talk, if yeah. you will. And uh, like I said, Brene Brown and Deepak Chopra and some other folks have like really awesome talks that they did at that same conference on that same day. And I've, I've now gone and watched like all of them and they're all great. Uh, but yeah. I would say start start with this one. I love Elizabeth Gilbert. Can I just say can I just make an admission right here in the show? Eat, Pray, Love is one of my favorite books of all time really and i'm a dude like that book was not really written for dudes like everyone i know who loves that book is female except for me um i read that book in like three days i drank up every last word i found out everything i could about elizabeth gilbert as a human being after i read that book i didn't see the movie because i I don't want to ruin like the magic of that book for me and i i have yet to read some of her other work but i've got it on my list and i just i love her i love her i i wish she was 15 years younger, single, and living next door. <laughs> she's she's just so brilliant. I just, I want to, like, be with her brain. <laughs> please, <laughs> anyway. don't, please don't lobotomize her. <laughs> I just, just want to take just, that brain and just... just want the brain. Just want the brain. No, 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 no. Keep the rest. Keep yeah. your eating <laughs> yeah. and your love. I'll just take your prey. <laughs> Oh, man. Awesome. Well, hope everybody has a chance to check that out and set aside those 25 minutes, turn off your phone, turn off all distractions, shut the door and just be with that talk for 25 minutes because 26 minutes because it's 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 potentially life changing. Yeah, awesome. for sure. What is your pick of the week? My friend? So my pick of the week is also potentially life changing. Uh, I stumbled across a great website called my morning dot com. Is, Wait, what do you mean you stumbled? A, yeah, you, you didn't you didn't like write this didn't make website? this. Site. <laughs> how how is know. this the first time you're finding this? I know. I know. Seriously, this and uh, I, you know, it's it's a great sort of um, it's like a it's like the blog version of a podcast where they interview people specifically on their morning routines. And they interview usually sort of successful entrepreneurial people, people who are higher ups at, you know, major companies like Google or or things like that. Uh, and I, I stumbled upon it because Chris Gullibo was interviewed on it. And I watched, I read, ah. watched, I read his morning, about his morning routine. To be honest, most of the morning routines aren't very impressive to me. I'm kind of like, eh, oh, whatever. It doesn't like everybody checks their phone first thing in the morning. I'm like, why do you do that? Uh, but it, Hey, if it works, it works. But one of the morning routines that really caught me and inspired the crap out of me. And I've read it like six times. And then I bought his book and I'm on the second reading of that. Uh, is this guy named Craig Ballantyne. I have I'm familiar with Craig Ballantyne's work. He's a writer a writer for Men's Health. He's written for Men's Health and like a bunch of other sort of men's fitness magazines. And he's been writing for them for like decades. So I grew up reading his articles in Men's Health as a teenager. Uh, and then I, I sort of found him online later, you know, when broadband internet became a thing. That's how old we are. And and um, <laughs> and I followed him on that, and then uh, and then he he eventually started running this website called Early to Rise. So uh, long story short, I tweeted about his morning routine, and I tag I found him on Twitter and tagged him in it, and he wrote me back, and he's like, "Thanks so much. What was your big takeaway?" I told him what my takeaway was, and then he wrote back and said, "Hey, I, if you have a podcast and you, I'd love to be a guest. Email me." I'm like, what? holy crap, this is awesome. So we're going to have Craig Ballantyne on the podcast at some point in the what? near future. Yeah, so my pick of the week is a two-parter. It's number one, his morning routine, which is, the link is on our website, but it's on mymorningroutine.com. And the second half of this pick is his book called The Perfect Day Formula, which is just 
awesome. It's just awesome. It's a short read. It's a powerful read. Really actionable stuff. You can get it in your Kindle for ten bucks. Uh, you can also buy like a kit for it, where he's got like worksheets and all sorts of stuff as well for more money on his website. But really life changing stuff. So check it out. Links to to both of those are on our website, as well as a link to this uh, Elizabeth Gilbert Super Soul Sunday uh, talk about hummingbirds and jackhammers and. It doesn't make any sense if you haven't seen it, but watch it and you'll be like, oh, I get it. I'm, I get yeah, it. I'm vibing. So check those uh, out for your uh, betterment, spiritual betterment or something. Save yes. me, AJ. Your, your, Save your me. Zen, check those out for your Zen pleasure. Thank you. Boom. <laughs> That's, that sounds kind of dirty. Anyway, right. let's... We should uh, we should end on that. Let's let's end on that. So today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by us, <laughs> Trevor Algott and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our awesome production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our awesome marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our awesome community manager. Timothy Patrick Waterman is our awesome director of public relations. Trevor Algott edited and mixed today's episode and Fer- oh and composed our theme and interview music. And Fern Lim designed our awesome logo. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes. And you know what? On that last one, why don't you go ahead and uh, you know leave a little review if you if you'd like. If you'd like, you know, uh, it's like putting a little tip in our in our tip jar. It really helps other people find the show and 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 may get us featured one day. You know, if we get a whole slew of them, if everybody listening to this went and did this right now, and we're featured on iTunes. I'm just putting that out in the universe. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, those reviews are awesome. And talk about like one of the best ways to give us warm fuzzies. Uh, big, big, big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro, coming very, very soon. And VO2GoGo.com. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you love this podcast and you've already left a review on iTunes and you want to further maximize uh, the value you get from this show uh, in your life and career, and if you want to support the continued production of the podcast because it ain't free to make. Uh, sign up as a member and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, and a whole lot more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. And that's it for episode 238, which will forever be known as the sprinting to the marathon finish line episode of Inside Acting. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, collaborate.